Welcome to the Dark Whales Tours podcast with me, Matthew Rose. As we have seen throughout our episode so far, Wales has a rich catalogue of myths, legends and folklore. Stories of hauntings and ghosts abound from all corners of Wales and we seem to have a deeply embedded interest in the paranormal. Have we, however, bade witness to a different kind of phenomena that has captured the imagination the entire world over? A small corner of West Wales quickly became labelled as the Broadhaven Triangle due to the countless strange sightings experienced in the late 1970s. Is it possible the residents of Broadhaven, a small town between Haverford West and Milford Haven, were visited by otherworldly beings during a relatively short period? Countless local residents reported strange lights in the sky, sinister figures walking amongst us, and even a group of schoolchildren apparently bearing witness to an unknown craft landing near the schoolyard where they played. The sightings and experiences were consistent among the locals, with one family having to endure the horrors firsthand. Billy Coombs and his wife Pauline lived at Ripperton Farm with their four children. They were a relatively introverted family who were initially reluctant to share their experiences out of fear of ridicule. However, when they did come forward, the full scale of the terror they witnessed was nothing short of remarkable, and their experiences, it turned out, matched countless others from the area. Some of the events reported and some of the experiences have since been debunked, or the individuals that made some claims have come forward to say they made it up, to jump on the attention that the area was getting from the worldwide media, and of course to have their 15 minutes of fame. However, we should not discount all of the experiences because of a few forgeries. The accounts we will talk about in this episode have never been disproven, and the people involved maintain their truth to this very day. Regardless of what actually happened, the events and the media attention in itself has effectively etched itself into a sort of modern-day folktale of Wales. The Coombs family had, however, disregarded the numerous newspaper reports of UFOs being seen around the area. UFOs belonged in sci-fi comics and films, not in a small corner of West Wales. All that was to change, as 1977 was to be a year that the Coombs family would never forget. It had been a normal day on the 14th of January, 1977. The Coombs family of Ripperton Farm had just finished dinner and were settling down for the night. Pauline was the only one in the kitchen, having almost completed the washing up when something caught her eye from the other side of the window. A bright light in the distance broke the usual darkness. At first, Pauline assumed it was a flare, or some kids messing around, or perhaps the Air Force doing some late-night drills over RAF Brody. However, the more she stared at it, the more she became convinced this light was no plane. The way it moved about the sky 
wasn't quite right. Pauline had become accustomed to seeing planes in the sky, living only 20 miles from the RAF base. But this light was very different. It seemed to swing to and fro, moving in irregular patterns and at irregular speeds. For 20 minutes Pauline watched it, then it slowly went towards the cliffs and was gone. What could it have been? Pauline stood at the window and searched her brain to think what on earth could the source of light have been. Another solution she came up with was that it could have been a ship that had become stuck in the bay, trying to send distress signals. She pondered this for a second and decided that she should ask her husband, Billy, to check and maybe phone the Coast Guard to see if there was a ship in trouble. Leaving the last of the washing up in the sink, Pauline went to the living room to tell Billy what she had seen. Upon entering the room, she found Billy fast asleep. Waking him up, she explained to him everything that had happened in the last 20 minutes. Billy reached for his boots and ventured out into the cold night, heading towards the cliff edge to see if he would need to phone the Coast Guard. When he returned a short while later, he informed Pauline there was nothing unusual down there and that she either had imagined it or mistook a plane or perhaps something else. Knowing that she did not imagine it and knowing as well that she would easily be able to identify any plane in the sky, she asked Billy to check again in the morning just in case it was a distress signal. The light of day revealed the same as the night before. There was nothing in the bay and no sign of a ship. The only unusual thing Billy could see was the large concentration of army and navy personnel along the coastal path. When he asked what they were doing, the army man said there had been a landslide in the night and they were busy repairing the coastal path, but that was all he could say. Seeing a strange light in the sky was not the only thing that the Coombs family had to endure. In the space of two weeks, two television sets had burned through the cables and refused to work ever again, even after five different repairmen tried to fix them. The second television had had all new wires and the whole inside had been changed over, but the TV had refused to work. What had made the incidents even more strange was the fact that on the nights where the TVs had broken, one of the children had woken up in a state of terror. Screaming and crying, she had reported that she had seen a shadowy figure enter her room and then once she had woken up, the figure moved silently into the master bedroom. Neither Billy or Pauline or any of the other children had seen anything when they were awoken by the cries of their daughter and of course they assumed the poor girl must have had a terrible nightmare that had scared her. It was not just the televisions that had broken. Light bulbs, some that had just been put in, had blown and countless fuses had needed to be replaced. Electrical disturbances of this kind are often reported when people think they have come into contact with extraterrestrial life. Both Billy and Pauline knew that all these disturbances were leading up to something terrible. They just didn't know what. One night the couple was sat in the living room watching a film on the television. All the children were fast asleep upstairs. 
as the night wore on, Billy succumbed to sleep as well. Pauline was starting to drop off when a beam of light came through the window. Thinking that it was a car coming up the drive, Pauline just sat there and waited for the sound of the car wheels on the gravel and the familiar sound of the car door opening and then slamming shut. Yet, as Pauline started to drift off again, she realised there was no sound at all. No gravel, no car door, just silence. Billy, slowly waking up, asked who could be coming to the farm at one o'clock in the morning. Suddenly, he stood up and covered his face with his hands. The light had become more intense, and as Billy tried to see what was making it, he called out, What on earth is that? Pauline followed his eyeline to the far window and saw what had made Billy cry out. A luminescent, silver-suited figure stood at the window. Its head and feet were not visible, which meant Pauline deduced the figure would have had to be taller than seven foot, the height of the window. As the couple stared in horror at the stranger, it rose its hand and placed it on the window. The glass vibrated violently, in danger of breaking. Billy told Pauline to go upstairs and make sure the children were safe. He then got the dog and opened the front door, letting the dog out in hopes he would chase the stranger away. As he waited, he could see the stranger still at the window, not moving, just waiting, watching. Gathering his courage, Billy grabbed the phone and called his neighbour, and then called the police to come as quickly as they could. Luckily for the Coombs, there was a police car driving close by the farm, so they were there within a few minutes. As the flashing lights of the police car came up the drive, Billy continued to stare at the stranger. To his astonishment, the stranger simply vanished in front of his eyes, just as the police and his neighbour arrived at the scene. When the police searched the area, they found nothing. Although they did say that they believed that the Coombs did indeed see something as they had been inundated by calls from locals saying that they had seen similar strange things recently so they weren't ready to dismiss things so quickly. In the morning, the Coombs found that the rosebush by the window the figure had been standing by had been burnt to ashes and they also saw a giant footprint in the flower bed. What makes this occurrence even more strange is that it was not the only time a figure was seen around the area. Across St. Bride's Bay sits the Haven Fort Hotel, an impressive Victorian marine villa. The wife of the owner, Mrs. Rosa Granville, had been awoken during the night by a strange noise coming from the field at the back of the hotel. Looking out of the window across the bay, something caught her eye, a bright light in the sky. As the light descended to the ground, Mrs. Granville noticed that the light was coming from a vessel. A large saucer shape with a dome on top of it was how she described it. She also said that there was so much heat coming off it that her face felt burned, even though she was standing a few meters away and on the other side of the window. As the craft landed, Mrs. Granville watched in horror as two creatures emerged from it. She described them as tall, thin beings, not human at all, 
with the black space where their faces should have been. As she watched them, the creatures bent down, looked at the ground and gave the impression they were measuring for something. After observing this for 20 minutes, the two creatures returned to the craft and without a sound, the craft rose up into the air and at a great speed flew across the bay towards Ripperton Farm. Mrs. Granville was stunned, terrified and confused. What had she just witnessed? When she built up enough courage, she ventured out of the site where she had seen the craft, only to find that the ground had been burnt at the exact spot the craft had touched down. Living next door to the airbase, Mrs. Granville assumed that it had something to do with them, and if it didn't, then they should know what it was. She wrote to her MP to demand an explanation. In her letter she said the incident had left her agitated and disturbed and not the least bit desirous of another encounter. The MP asked the RAF if they had been testing anything secret in the area. The RAF were baffled. There would have been no aircraft in the area at the time of the sightings. The Ministry of Defence started to collect testimony, gather evidence and asked for drawings of what people had seen. These so-called Welsh X-Files then sat in the National Archives until 2010 when some of them were released in the hopes that maybe someone would be able to explain these strange occurrences. The rest of the files were made public in 2012. Some of the drawings in these files were made by school children from Broadhaven Primary School and show a strange consistency. On Friday the 4th of February 1977, it was a typical wet afternoon and the children of Broadhaven Primary School were enjoying their break time. A group of boys were playing football on the field when one of them pointed at the trees in the distance, saying he had just seen something land behind them. All the boys then reported seeing the object, describing it as elongated with a dome on top with flashing lights. Six of them then said they saw a tall man in a silver suit standing next to the object. Understandably scared, the boys ran back to the school to tell their teachers what they had just seen. Initially, they were not believed, but after school had finished, the group of boys went back to the field to see if they could see the strange object or the man in silver. As the boys continued to talk about their experience, their parents agreed to take them to the police. After all the fuss that was being made, on Monday the 7th, the head teacher, Mr. Llewellyn, interviewed each of the boys separately and asked them to draw what they had seen. Surprisingly, the drawings that were produced all had the same basic idea. The shape and size of the object differed and some of the boys didn't have any knowledge of the silver man. Yet the drawings were similar enough for the adults to be convinced that the boys did indeed see something. Copies of the drawings were made and sent to the MOD. The originals are still held at Broadhaven Primary School in a scrapbook made to remember the incident. The media frenzy that followed propelled Broadhaven into the national consciousness and encouraged others to come forward to tell their story. It was this very media storm which discouraged the Coombs family 
to come forward straight away, not wanting to be ridiculed or made to look like fools. Eventually they did report what they saw and what they had experienced. The ensuing bombardment of letters, phone calls and confrontations from angry locals only confirmed to them that they would stop reporting that was happening to them. It may be worth noting that the Coombs family never received any money for telling their story to the press, and later, when an author asked to tell their story in full, they refused to be paid for that as well. One of the most bizarre stories that didn't make it into the press, but was revealed in the book, was what happened at the Coombs cowherd one night in the spring of 1977. Late one night during calving season, Billy was checking on the cows to make sure they weren't having any difficulties and as always had assistance if needed when giving birth. One particular night he was going around the cow sheds checking all the cows. The Coombs had 100 cows in total. By the time he had finished it was 1 o'clock in the morning. He glanced back at the cows before locking them in for the night. He was on his way back to the house when he heard the phone ring. Slightly annoyed that someone had the nerve to call at 1am, Billy picked up the phone and asked who was calling. The voice on the other end sounded just as annoyed as Billy, maybe even more so. It was the farmer from the neighbouring farm. He said he had been phoning for the past hour, ever since he had been woken up by a herd of cows running amok throughout his farm. Upon inspection, the farmer noted the yellow and green tags, the Coombs tags. No other farmer in the area used these colours. Billy was of course bewildered. He had only just left the cows when he had heard the phone ring. They couldn't possibly be his cows. He had been with them for the past hour. But no other farmer used those tags. Getting very confused, he told the other farmer on the phone to hold on while he went to the cow shed to prove his cows were where they belonged. When he arrived at the cow sheds, he stood staring for what felt like an eternity. The cow sheds were empty. The doors had been locked and there was no sign of any disturbances with the fences or the locks, but the cows had completely vanished. Still extremely puzzled, Billy apologised to the farmer and went to retrieve his herd. In the weeks following, things only got stranger. The cows were restless. They would charge into fences, they kicked, they gave off sour milk. Billy had to put down at least one cow, as she nearly cut herself to death on the fences, trying to escape something unseen. The Broadhaven incident captured the attention of the local and national press, and enabled locals to have their 15 minutes of fame. There were countless other similar experiences reported at the time, and we have only mentioned a handful of the more noteworthy cases here. In the years since, some of the experiences have been explained, debunked or revealed to have been completely made up. In 1996, for example, a man came forward to say that in 1977 he put on a silver suit that was used in the nearby oil refinery and walked around the Broadhaven area trying to scare people. The events that have yet to be explained have given hope to those who want to believe we have indeed been visited 
by beings from another planet. Broadhaven, of course, isn't the only place around the UK that has had stories of unidentified flying objects being seen. In 1980, at Rendlesham Military Base, Suffolk, the US Air Force reported seeing unexplained lights darting in the sky close to the base. Around 3am on the 26th of December 1980, a security patrol near the East Gate reported lights apparently descending into nearby Rendlesham Forest. The serviceman initially thought it was a downed aircraft, but upon entering the forest to investigate, they saw what they described as a glowing object, metallic in appearance, with coloured lights. Shortly after 4am, the local police were called to the scene, but they reported that the only lights they could see were those from the Orford Ness Lighthouse, some miles away on the coast. As it became lighter, the servicemen returned to the forest, where they had seen the light. They reported that they found impressions on the ground in a triangular pattern, as well as burn marks and broken branches on nearby trees. The local police were again called in order to witness the impressions, which they concluded to have been made by an animal. Two days later, the base commander visited the site with several servicemen in order to take radiation readings in and around the impression. They claimed to have taken readings that were higher than expected. They also reported seeing a flashing light to the east, the same type as was seen two nights previously. The servicemen said that the lights were brighter than any star they had seen and were flashing every five seconds. The commander of the base maintained that his men had seen a UFO and the encounter had been covered up by both the US and British governments. However, it has been pointed out that from the site of the supposed landing, the nearby lighthouse light is clearly visible. The lighthouse turns at such a speed that the light takes five seconds to make a full rotation, the same time frame that the US serviceman had seen the flashing light. It has also been suggested that this incident was a practical joke played on the American military by the British Special Forces. There is a theory that says that a few days prior to the sightings there was an altercation between the US forces and the British military, and the practical joke was the British Special Forces way of getting their own back. Whether you think about aliens and life on other planets or not, when you look up at the sky and see an object flying in a way you can't describe, or even see lights darting around the night, you have indeed seen a UFO. UFO, of course, stands for unidentified flying object. So by definition, anything in the sky that you cannot identify is a UFO. Where that object has come from is another question entirely, whether it can be explained naturally or not. The creatures that have been described coming from the UFOs are usually described in the same way. However, it does not necessarily mean that they are aliens, or even that they have come to us from outer space. Could it be that the beings we now call aliens are something else entirely? In Wales, could they be explained by something we looked at in a previous episode? Creatures that appear from balls of light look human but not quite human, 
having special powers and the ability to disappear back to their world in the blink of an eye. Sounds very much like something else reported all over Wales. The Telwith Teg, the Fair Folk. When you compare how our ancestors described fairies and how we now describe aliens, they are remarkably similar. Aliens and UFO sightings are the modern day equivalent of ancient myths and legends. Seen by a few, believed by some, they are today's version of gods and fairies, appearing from the sky to either help or harm us. Where science has taken over religion, so the alien has taken over the supernatural creatures our ancestors believed in. To this very day, stories continue to abound all over the world of these encounters, which seem to be remarkably consistent. Hearing whales, strange lights and unknown crafts hovering in the night sky continue to plague the residents of areas in West Wales in particular, with some people reporting terrifying experiences where they claim to have been visited by strange beings much like the Coombs family in 1977. Are these crafts and lights visitors from another universe or are they something else entirely? Could they in fact be descendants of ours, travelling through time for unknown reasons? Or perhaps quite simply, they are completely natural and earthbound phenomena, something yet to be explained by modern day science. The ideas that have been theorised over the decades are almost endless. People who witness paranormal activities, whether it be experiences with ghosts, demons, or in this case UFOs, are all too quickly written off as being fanatics and even ridiculed on occasion. It can't be real, you've made it up, your eyes are playing tricks on you, there's no such thing as aliens, you've seen too many films. Perhaps they are right, but with so many consistent sightings all over the world, surely they cannot all be wrong and making it up. Perhaps, in fact, what the witnesses did experience is indeed all too real, that these strange beings do exist and the people who have seen these things now know what lurks in the shadows and watches us from the skies. To quote one of my favourite fictional investigators of such phenomena, the truth is out there. If you have your own story to share on this or any of the other topics in our podcast, then please email us on darkwales at hotmail.com. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Dark Wales Tours podcast. Please be sure to share and like this episode, and please also follow us on our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter feeds. Be sure to listen to the other episodes of this podcast, with new episodes being released every two weeks. Until next time, Diolchan Vaur, thank you very much. The Dark Wales Tours podcast is produced and delivered by Matthew Rose and Luke Alcock, owners of Dark Wales Tours.